You are listening to WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana, heard worldwide on Jazz Radio, WETF.org. And my name is John Clark. We are here together with the Jazz Focus. And today we're going to be focusing on some fine solo piano recordings done in the 1920s and up to about 1930 or so, done by the great James P. Johnson was considered the father of the Harlem Stride School of Piano Playing. James P. Johnson was born in 1894, we think, in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, he was raised in a middle-class African-American household. He was uh, given piano lessons by his mother initially, and then started studying with some local uh, piano professors and so forth. Started playing in, in houses of ill repute and even on the vaudeville stage by the time he was in his teens. Uh, he became well-known in New York by the time he was in his late teens. He began recording piano rolls as early as 1916 or so and uh, started writing compositions uh, for piano in this stride school that was an outgrowth of ragtime, an updating, I guess you'd have to say, of ragtime. And uh, his best-known tune was, at the time, the Carolina Shout, which we're going to be hearing in just a moment. And that piano roll became very influential uh, on people like Count Basie and uh, Duke Ellington and other stride pianists who came up a little bit later. So we started out with two tunes uh, that were compositions of James P. And these were called Riffs and Feelin' Blue. And they were both done for the OK label on January 29th of 1929. Uh, Johnson had been making commercial recordings from as early as about 1921. Uh, we're going to hear one of those coming up in just a second. Uh, actually, several of those coming up in uh, a, a minute or so. Uh, he also started putting bands together to play at various clubs in New York as part of the Clef Club, which was a kind of a guild of black musicians in the 1910s. It was put together by James Reese Europe and Ford Dabney. Uh, he eventually, or uh, sooner than eventually, I guess, started taking into account the new jazz style that had been introduced to New York in 1917 by the white original Dixieland jazz band that was playing at Risen Weber's Cafe. And uh, he uh, started using players of a more modern cast who were more improvised-centric, uh, I guess you'd have to say, and he uh, himself became a much more jazzy pianist. He moved beyond those ragtime sounds that some of his early solos, and certainly his piano rolls, reflected, and became the most noted jazz pianist on the New York scene in the 1920s. His students included Fats Waller and Count Basie, and he was considered to be really the dean of the Harlem Stride Pianists, which included people like Waller, certainly, also Willie the Lion Smith, Lucky Roberts, and people like that. So the tunes we heard, as I said, were very stride-oriented from 1929. The style had already been set by them with that very uh, striding left hand, alternating uh, notes, single notes, and chords, while the right hand played a very syncopated and uh, occasionally bluesy melody. That second tune we heard, Feelin' Blue, was quite bluesy and uh, went into minor key at some point and uh, had several different sections. And that's something that uh, we're going to hear in all of James P.'s pieces. They were very musically uh, well-constructed. He was a very well-educated uh, pianist. He uh, never stopped studying for his whole life. He had designs on becoming known as a, a concert composer or a classical composer. And he composed some long works in a more European concert style, utilizing uh, stride piano elements and blues elements and so forth. They weren't terribly successful, but they're interesting nonetheless. So we're going to go back to his first 
actual recording session has separated from his uh, piano rolls. We did a show on his piano rolls a while back. Uh, the difficulty in listening to piano rolls nowadays is that they probably don't sound terribly much like the player did when he recorded them because they could have been manipulated, the speed could be different, they could have added notes, all sorts of things like that. You only get a, a very general sense of what uh, a piano player might have sounded like, although it's certainly good to have those roles by James P. Johnson and Scott Joplin and Jelly Roll Morton, Fats Waller, and so forth. But this is where we start uh, now hearing what he actually sounded like. And we're going to hear a tune called the Harlem Strut, which he recorded uh, for Black Swan Records in August of 1921. Black Swan was a, uh, a black-owned record company that uh, touted itself as the only record company that was owned, operated, and populated by African Americans. So this Harlem Strut comes from that company, uh, as I said, in August of 1921. Then we're going to go up a couple of months to October, October 18th of 1921, and two tunes that James P. Johnson recorded for OK. Also his tunes, Multi-Strain, Keep Off the Grass, and the uh, tune I mentioned earlier, the Carolina Shout, which was really a showpiece and uh, came out of his listening to various African-American folk traditions as well as ragtime and European traditions as well. From there, we're going to go to two tunes that he composed and that he recorded a little bit later in the decade. We're going to hear the Worried and Lonesome Blues, followed by Scouting Around. Both of those uh, were recorded for, um, well, actually, the first one was recorded for Columbia, Worried and Lonesome Blues, on June 28th of 1923 and scouting around from August 8th of 1923 for the OK label. We're not going to be able to do every solo piano tune that he recorded in the 20s, but these are, I think, the best. So that will be our set coming up. Harlem Strut, Keep Off the Grass, Carolina Shout, Worried and Lonesome Blues, and Scouting Around, all done by James P. Johnson.
were some of James P. Johnson's earliest solo works. We started out with the Harlem Strut, which was his first recording, not counting the piano rolls, done for Black Swan in August of 1921. Um, and that, like the other two, multi-theme uh, tunes that he composed uh, as piano showcases. He was part of the tradition that was uh, kind of gladiatorial in their approach to piano. They would uh, have these stride pianists who would engage in cutting contests, and each piano player had to have a few show pieces. Occasionally they would be um, uh, Tin Pan Alley tunes like a little later T for Two or something like that, but uh, it was more effective if they invented their own tunes and composed their own serial pieces, which then other piano players would have to try to learn. And Harlem Strut was one of those. And we followed that up with two other ones, Keep Off the Grass and the classic Carolina Shout from October 18th of 1921. And shortly after that recording session for OK, Johnson recorded Carolina Shout again in an orchestration with Jimmy Johnson's Jazz Boys, three or four horns along with a banjo, tuba, and drums, and himself being featured. And that was on Ardo Records, and sooner or later we're going to do a podcast of his early band sides, but right now, just piano. So after that, we jumped up to June 28th of 1923 in Columbia. We heard the Worried and Lonesome Blues 
followed by Scoutin' Around from August 8th of 1923 for OK. And it's good to put into context here. 1923 was the year that uh, quite a few jazz players made their recording debuts, including Jelly Roll Morton, uh, Earl Hines, Louis Armstrong, Bessie Smith, Ma Rainey, King Oliver, Johnny Dodds, and so forth. And here we have James P. Johnson, who was already a veteran of the recording process and who clearly was uh, at a very mature level in his playing abilities and compositional activities as well. So uh, Harlem Stride Piano was really one of the most advanced forms of jazz in the 1920s, especially the early 20s. So during the 1920s, in addition to making lots of recordings with bands and as a solo pianist, Johnson wrote a number of shows, uh, Running Wild and uh, other uh, shows such as also Keep Shuffling and Plantation Days, some of the reviews of the 1920s. Uh, he was responsible for the one of the big hits of the 1920s, the Charleston, which he uh, adapted from some dances that he knew from um, South Carolina and other places as well. Uh, a little bit later in the 1920s, he started writing more, as I said, concert pieces. He was influenced by Gershwin. Gershwin was, was influenced by him. And Johnson produced a piece called Yamacra, which later became a film. It was also a kind of a piano concerto. Uh, it evolved over the years. And by the 1930s, he was doing more shows, and he uh, even collaborated on a short opera, almost an operetta, with Langston Hughes called The Organizer. So he had uh, quite, a, quite a few irons in the fire and was quite a, a man of varied talents as well. So we're going to go on now, and we're going to hear a tune from, actually it's the flip side of Scouting Around, which we ended up the last set with. This is for OK in August of 1923, and this is called Toddlin', another James P. Johnson tune. Then we're going to jump up a little bit to about 1930 or so, and we're going to hear four tunes that he did for Brunswick. This was one of his really great recording sessions. Uh, January 21st of 1930, we're going to hear his take on two pop tunes of the day, one kind of forgotten and one a classic, the forgotten one is Crying for the Carolines by Lewis Young and Warren, and the classic one is What is This Thing Called Love, a brand new tune by Cole Porter, on which Johnson uh, plays the uh, verse, which was something that was dropped from most later performances. Then we're going to hear two originals. One is You've Got to Be Modernistic, which he recorded a number of times with bands uh, of varying sizes and on this piano solo. And then another uh, stride showpiece called Jingles. And uh, all of these feature uh, some of the most advanced piano playing of the 1920s and into the 30s. So this is James P. Johnson from 1923, Toddlin', and then from 1930, Crying for the Carolines, What Is This Thing Called Love, You've Gotta Be Modernistic, and Jingles.
was more James P. Johnson from the 1923 session that gave us Toddlin, interesting little piece, nothing, uh, nothing memorable in the themes, but very technical and very uh, clearly uh, designated sections and well-written and more importantly well-performed, as were the four tunes that we just heard from 19. 19- 30, January 21st of 1930 for Brunswick. Crying for the Carolines and What Is This Thing Called Love, both of which were pop tunes of the day and uh, uh, brought out very cleanly and very clearly by Johnson, but with his own style as well. He was a very good uh, reader. Of course, he composed music. He uh, was not a uh, seat-of-the-pants player uh, the way many jazz players were at the time. He really knew music inside and out, and he could uh, interpret other people's music and really turn it into his own style as well. And we heard his own style on the next two tunes, You've Got to Be Modernistic and Jingles, both of which were stride piano features, and uh, Jingles especially had some interesting uh, bell-like effects uh, in the right hand, which gave it its title, I suppose. So I hope you've enjoyed this program. My name is John Clark. You've been listening to the Jazz Focus, and we are here together on WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana, heard worldwide on jazzradiowetf.org. And we have lots of programs out there. Uh, sooner or later, these shows uh, migrate their way over to my podcast station, which is also called the Jazz Focus. So take a look over there as well. We're going to play, I think we have time for three tunes, and uh, I'd only planned two, but I'm going to add a third one in as well. We're going to go back to uh, those 1923 sessions, and we're going to hear an interesting piece called uh, The Weeping Blues, which was a James P. Johnson composition, and that uh, comes from that June 28th session, 1923, for Columbia. This is actually the flip side of Worried and Lonesome Blues. And from there, we're going to go on to uh, two of his better-known recordings from the 19... Uh, early 1930s, I guess you'd have to say. Actually, it's really from the late 1920s, 1927, March 7th, for Columbia. And we're going to hear, first of all, All That I Had Is Gone, which was a uh, tune by Perry Bradford, the uh, black uh, show composer and pianist and entrepreneur. Very colorful career uh, and very present on the African-American music scene in the early to mid-1920s when he wasn't in prison, which happened a couple of times. But this was one tune that he wrote that Johnson thought enough of to record or was asked to record. And then we're going to follow up with one of uh, Johnson's nicest tunes, I think. It's called the Snowy Morning Blues. And he recorded this numerous times during his career, but I think this might have been the best of his recordings of that tune. So those are our three numbers which will finish up our James P. Johnson program, which I hope you've liked. James P. Johnson lived into the 1950s, but he spent his last four years from 1951 to 55 as an invalid. He'd had a series of strokes which uh, limited his playing abilities uh, a little bit, although he was playing up until about 1950, even after a couple of uh, strokes that he recovered from. But the last couple, uh, there was no recovery, and unfortunately he passed away after spending about four years uh, bedridden. But he left a lot of fine music, and here are three tunes to end up our program. The Weeping Blues, All That I Had Is Gone, and The Snowy Morning Blues. (laughs) 